life. I'm going to be speaking on a very solemn, serious message on our need for healing. So I'm going to ask that if you could kneel with me and that uh, we could pray for a spirit of holiness and God could really speak to our hearts tonight because I know that a lot of people are hurting tonight and we need healing from God's power tonight. So will you please kneel with me as we seek the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we hear these days, these last days, Lord, we long to go home. And so, Father, prepare your people tonight. Prepare my heart, prepare their hearts for the message. We pray, Lord, that a spirit of love and reverence and holiness will pervade among us. And I pray, Lord, that you may be glorified and lifted up. Lord, we pray that you may open our hearts tonight, that I be softened by the workings of your Holy Spirit for the message. We pray, Lord, that you may speak to us through your word and through the spirit of prophecy. Lord, this is our humble prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. sermon entitled tonight is soul searching our emotions healing from our emotional wounds i invite you to turn me in your bibles to john chapter 4 verse 6 john chapter 4 verse 6 in your bibles and there's handouts going on right now if you can, everyone can grab a handout we'll be going through the handout also john chapter 4 in your bibles verse 6 soul searching our emotions healing from our emotional wounds After 150 years of the denomination, Jesus still hasn't come back to take us home. We should have been home a long time ago. What do you say, amen? But why are we still here? I believe we're still here because we have not experienced the true message that was given to our church even way back in 1888. You know, God had a message for his people. And if we had experienced that true message, Jesus would have come back sooner than even now. The message dealt back then with the practical inner workings of the Holy Spirit upon the character. And what is character? Look at your handout. This is from In Heavenly Places. The thoughts and feelings combined make up the what? Moral character. So what is character made out of? Two things. What? Thoughts and feelings. Now, we're familiar with thoughts. But a lot of times, we don't deal with the feelings. And we'll be going into that a little bit more into that. Feelings or emotions is half of our character, right? But in the Western culture today, emotions are discouraged. Boys, some of young age, are told that they are not to show any emotions except anger. Women also in the workplace, in corporate America, they're not to show that they're weak by crying. Emotions, even in scientific research, is shown today that crying is not tolerated and that emotions are treated as the enemy. So in the Western culture today, we don't deal with the emotions. 
But in order to have the character of Christ perfectly reproduced within us, we must, and go home, we must critically examine, as we're going to study, the complicated emotions, the feelings within our lives. Not only the thoughts, but also the, the emotions and the feelings. And we're going to get there. So as we take a look, may we see what God wants us to see about our, the character of Christ being reproduced within us. Look at John chapter 4. Notice the Bible says, What happened in the middle of the day? The woman at the well. Let's look at this story and see how Jesus dealt with this woman. The Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the, what hour? Six hour. Now, what time did the day start in the Jewish church? 6 a.m. So six, six hours what time? At noon. So what was this woman doing out in the desert in the middle of the day at 12 o'clock noon when it was really hot? Why do you think she was out there in the desert? She was hiding. Hiding from what? From all of the people who were probably gossiping about her, about her bad relationships and her love life, true? All the people whispering about all the things that she was doing in her past divorces and, her, and, the, and the men that was in her life. So she was hiding from all these experiences. And then look at it says here in verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. So Jesus came to her and he said, Please give me some of water. And then this woman gave her water. And then this, he led her to desire the living water. Remember? She wanted the living water. So she asked Jesus, Please, sir, give me this living water that I won't thirst again. In other words, she wanted salvation. She wanted to be saved. She wanted to be born again. She wanted to be converted. She wanted to accept Jesus. But I want you to notice what happened next. Turn to verse 16 in this story. John chapter 4 verse 16. When this woman asked for the living water, what did Jesus then do? The Bible says in verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your what? Husband. Wait a minute. She's asking for living water. She's asking for salvation. And Jesus says, go call your husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. In other words, what, what is Jesus doing? She's asking for salvation. You know, Jesus could have easily said, okay, here is the salvation. You want to be saved. You want to be converted. Come to Jesus. This is how you do it. Here is the living water. He could have easily answered the question that her thirst and her desire, what she really wanted. But I want you to notice this. Before Jesus could give to this woman salvation or the living water, which would satisfy her, he first had to deal with her past relationships and her past emotional wounds. First, you know, Jesus could have answered, he could have gave it to her, but he knew that she would not grow as a Christian unless he dealt with her past wounds of her life. And that's where he went. And beloved, before you can truly experience the fullness of life that is satisfying to the deep longings of your soul, you first have to deal with your bad relationships and your past emotional wounds. In order to really fulfill the life that God has called you to, you must go out and you must go to Jesus and you must experience healing within your life and my life. Now, I want you to notice that this woman didn't want to deal with that situation. Did you notice that? In verse 17, it says here, the woman answered and said, I have what? No husband. In other words, I have no husband, period, end of story. I don't want to go there, right? In other words, she did not want to go to her wounds in her life. 
And is that also true of today? Many people, they like to look good on the outside as Christians, but they don't like to deal with the inner pain and emotional wounds of the inner life of the hearts because it's too painful. I had one person say that who she saw her sister experiencing healing in her life. And then her sister said, you need to experience healing in your life. And the sister said, I don't want to experience healing because if I experience healing, then I know that I have to face the pain. And I don't want to face the pain. See, beloved, in order to heal, you must first embrace the pain that you have experienced in your life. You must face your past wounds. You must face the, the hurt that you've experienced in your life. And then when you face it, that's the only way that you can experience healing when you give it to Jesus. And so this woman was experienced. She knew she wanted, she wanted the living water. She wanted salvation. But Jesus knew that this was not enough, that there was something more that was missing in her life, that she had to deal with her past wounds in her life. And notice what it says in 17. The Bible says, Jesus said unto her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom, you thou, and he whom thou now has is not your husband, and that says thou truly. You know, Jesus did everything for a reason, did he not? Jesus, did, Jesus didn't tell this woman about her past bad love life just to show off his knowledge, right? There was a purpose in what he was trying to do. He went to this woman and he shared, okay, I know about your bad relationships. I know about your past emotional wounds. I know about your pain and your hurt. I know about this. And she tried to get away from the subject, right? And he said, no, I want to tell you about your five husbands. I want to tell you about your five divorces. I want to tell you about your five broken marriages and broken homes. That's what I want to tell you about. That's what I want to talk to you about. I'm not showing off my knowledge. I want to get to the root cause of the problem. Not just a symptom, but reasoning from cause to effect. What is the root cause of why you're doing what you're doing? It's because of what has happened to you in your past. And Jesus went there, and she did not want go, to go there, and he still went back again the second time. And beloved, God doesn't reveal to you past emotional wounds just to torment you. But he brings them to remembrance so that you will stop destroying the relationships of those who love you the most. So God wants to heal us. Now, we need to examine our feelings, but we're not to examine our feelings to depend upon them. Look at the quotation here from the Spirit of Prophecy. It says here, You are not to examine your feelings and put any dependence upon your emotion. What do you say? Amen? Amen. So the three counterfeits in the great controversy, one of the counterfeits was fanaticism, which is when you put feelings above the Word of God. In other words, we are dependent upon the Word of God only and expect the Word of God only to accomplish what it says. What do you say? Amen? Amen? But when we put our feelings above it, then that is when we put our emotions above it, and that's when we go down the wrong road. And what God wants to do, He wants us to put the Word of God above our feelings. That's clear. Let me hear you say amen. Amen? So we know that. I've always known that. And so I know many other quotations that say the same thing. So because of that, I don't know if you felt the same way, but because of reading this quote, I swung the other extreme. So anything to do with feelings, I wouldn't even want to talk about it or discuss it or even study it. Has anyone felt that same way? So I pulled far away from feelings that anything I have to do with emotions or feelings is not good. And then recently I found this quotation when I was studying again mind, character, and personality. And notice what this says. 
there's a difference now. Now I want you to notice the difference. It says here, He, God, would have them critically examine the complicated emotions and motives of their own hearts. Why? Detect that which is wrong and modify or change their dispositions and refine their manners. In other words, reason from cause and effect. God wants us to not only study, but critically examine our complicated emotions. Why? To reason from cause and effect. To detect, in other words, emotions is actually reveals to you this, what is actually wrong with you. The negative emotion that you're showing or someone shows, you reason from cause and effect, it reveals the negative emotions that there's some kind of negative thoughts that's going on in your mind, and then you have to deal with that, reasoning backwards from effect to the root cause, and then you deal with that to change so that they have positive thoughts, which changes the positive feelings. That's clear. Let me hear you say amen. Amen? What for? For the purpose that it says here to detect what is wrong, your spiritual de detective, but also that you may modify or that we may change. What do you say? Amen? amen. God's people needs to change, and so we need to deal with the negative emotions that's happening. In other words, we critically examine so that we may change. Now, there's another quotation. Look on your handout. Follow this. This is reason from cause to effect. And this is what I use. When I go into the home and when I meet with people, I use this all the time. If the thoughts are wrong, the what? Feelings will be what? So what follows what? Feelings follow what? Thoughts. So, if you have positive thoughts, it will produce what kind of feelings? Positive feelings, right? And then out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So, what's inside of thoughts and feelings comes out in actions, right? And what you're doing. So, thoughts, feelings, actions. Now, what if you have negative thoughts? What happens to your feelings? You have what? Negative feelings. And then what happens? Negative actions, right? So, how do you deal with people? This is how I deal with people. are falling from cause or effect. I look at not their actions. And then I trace backwards to what is their feelings. Then I trace backwards to their thoughts. Is that clear? Let me say amen. Amen? Or if I just go by their feelings, how they're feeling, I go by their negative feelings. And I know that their negative feelings is traced backwards to what? Negative what? Thoughts, right? And then you deal with the negative thoughts, change the thoughts, and when you change the thoughts, guess what's going to happen? The thoughts, positive charts, on, on positive thoughts changes to positive what? feelings, right? And, the, and then what makes up the moral character? The thoughts and the feelings combined make the what? Moral, moral character. And what do we only thing we're going to take to heaven is our what? Character. And what is character? Thoughts and feelings. Is that clear? Let me say amen. Amen? Thoughts and feelings make up the character. There was a man from Hawaii and Waianae, and I went to this abuse training seminar on domestic violence. And this man went up, and he shared his story before a whole bunch of us. And he was sharing about when he was a little boy. He remembered that he grew up in a home where his dad physically abuses his mom over and over in front of them. And he was angry, and he hated his dad, and in his mind, he said, I'm never going to be like my dad. And then he grew up and he watched, continued to watch his 
mom get beaten over and over again by his dad. Finally, at 16, he could take it no longer. He ran away from home, started training in martial arts because he had one purpose. He was going to come home and stop his dad and beat him up from beating up his mom. So at 18 years old, he came back home. He came back home and he saw his dad beating his mom again. He said, Dad, stop it. And then dad looked at him and said, well, who do you think you are? And he came after him. He says, the first time he ever hit his dad and he beat his dad up. He said, after that, he left home again. Years passed. He got married. He's all in love. And then he realized this a few months later that he had become just like his dad and began beating his own wife also. He kept beating her up, beating her up. Finally, he went to prison for it. And there he was in prison, and this older gentleman took him on his wing and pulled him on his shoulder and was talking to him and said, hey, I want to talk, talk to you and tell you something. He said, you need to love your wife. You need to love your wife while you still have one because I murdered mine. I was watching this, his testimony. He said, that changes life. He came out, he made a, a purpose in his heart. I'm going to change my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do th- things different. And so he, he had, that's when he turned to God and he turned his life over to God and God changed his heart and he traced backwards to his, his negative thoughts and he went to his, his negative um, feelings and his negative thoughts and he gave it to Jesus and God healed him. And he gave the testimony that I have not touched my wife for 20 years. What do you say, amen? Yes. Notice, there is healing in the power of God's love. What do you say, amen? Yes. Notice what happens next. Let's continue back to the story. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 19. Verse 19. Notice what happens next. Now, he's getting close and he's hitting home. This is what I noticed. When I start talking about, you know, when we start talking about, you know, our standards and people like to talk about that and doctrines, they, you know, some give a little bit of a hard time, but most people, you know, they tend to like that stuff. But, you know, when I start talking about the inner um, emotional wounds of people, people don't like to go there. Notice what this, this woman did. She detracted two times from the message, and then this was happened next. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a what? Prophet. Ah, what is she trying to do again? Change the subject one more time. And what knows what she did? But what did she do besides change the subject? What did she focus on? Notice the Bible says, she says, our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. What is she trying to do? She's trying to have a doctrinal debate with Jesus. True, right? She's trying to say this mountain is the right one to worship, but you say that your mountain is the right mountain. Which mountain is the right mountain to worship in, right? That's what she's pretty much doing. You see, what happens is, when the message of practical godliness gets a little bit too close to home, people like to run away from facing the issue. Because of this, people like to focus upon doctrinal issues rather than practical godliness and the inner workings of the heart and, and within our lives. Notice the spirit prophecy quotation here. This is uh, pretty powerful. It says here, There need to be far more lessons in the ministry of the word of true conversion than of the arguments of the doctrines. 
Let me say that again. There needs to be far more lessons in the ministry of the word of true conversion. This is basic Christianity, foundational, being converted than of the arguments of the doctrines. Why? For it is far easier and more natural for the heart that is not under the control of the Spirit of Christ to choose doctrinal subjects rather than the practical. What do you say? Amen? In other words, the unconverted person loves to talk about doctrines. The unconverted, unnatural heart, unconverted person loves to study the theology, loves to study the prophecy. They love to do this. Why? Because it's more, far easier for them to do it than the practical gospel of dealing with the heart and the whole. If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? I know it's hitting some of you. Because maybe that's why you revolve your life all, all around just knowing doctrines and, and everything else. Then it says here, There are many Christless discourses given, no more acceptable to God than was the offering of Cain. They are not in harmony with God. In other words, the unconverted person would rather you talk about doctrinal subject and arguments rather than true conversion. Show me a person who likes to fight over theology, like this woman at the well, and I'll show you a person who has deep, unresolved anger over those who have hurt them. Show me a person who is consumed with teaching new light, and I'll show you a person who has been emotionally wounded from their father and their mother. Show me a person who is addicted to hearing only doctrinal sermons on the internet, and I'll show you someone that comes from a messed up home. And just like this Samaritan woman, there are many of us out there who often like to detract from the real issue, which is the fact that we have not allowed Jesus to heal us from our past emotional wounds. I shared in my class that I had many Bible workers. I counted there were 40 full-time workers that I've worked with, Bible workers that came to my church. And many of them came from the old school um, present truth, which is different from present truth today. It's way different. They're very hardcore. I mean, these guys, they would never even take a day off. They would always be working hardcore and just focused. And this always is everything into the Word of God, which is good. And when I look at them on the outside, I'm like, man, I wish all my members were like them. Because they were so committed. They were like 10 times, I look at them, they're like 10 times more spiritual, devoted on fire than my members, right? So I'm like, wow, I wish everyone's like that. Then I began to notice something. And some of them came up to me after when they were about time to leave. And these were hardcore. And they came up to me and they said, Pastor, you know, I was looking for something when I came here. I was looking for something from you. And you know what that was? I was looking for you to be a father to me. And here I was, I was like, I mean, these are like my children. I'm like, I was like, okay, you want to work? I'm going to push you. That's my mentality, right? We're going to work. We're going to work for God. And they were so busy doing ministry and teaching doctrinal subjects, but you know what? They were all hurting on the inside. I realized that every single person, one of them, they came from broken homes. They came from messed up homes. They were hurting on the inside. And this was the way to medicate their pain of staying busy and, and working for God and being hardcore for God. This was a way to deal with the emotional wounds. And for them to tell me that I wish I was, I was looking for a father, it tells me that they were looking for one thing. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for love. That's what they're looking for. 
Not only to be hardcore and dedicated and committed and to show that, but they're looking for love. They're looking for a father they never had. Where they came from a broken home, messed up homes, or whatever it is. That's what I realized, that they were looking for something in the heart that was missing. They're looking, they were wounded in the hearts, and they wanted to heal, and they wanted something better. I had a church member that she's very much into, always into new light. She brought, I don't know if you guys heard of Shepherd's Rod. <laughs> Have you guys heard of Shepherd's Rod? Okay, she brought a whole, she brought the evangelist from the general conference of the Shepherd's Rod to our, to our church. Took about one third of my church was going to the meetings. Um, you know, actually inspiration says that apostasy is good because it's, she calls it the blessings of apostasy because it leads people back to studying the word of God. What do you say, amen? So I saw that, wow, okay, this is an opportunity that members can grow. But she started bringing all these new lights. She brings the shepherd's rod, and she brought the, you know, the general conference president, the ex-president, and then the, the current president. He, he liked, you know, they, they, we, our church tends to draw these different type of groups into our church. So they all, she's all inviting these people. And then she jumps from another one. She jumps to another group and brings them in and jumps to another new light. And, and now she actually went all the way to um, the lunar Sabbaths where the Sabbaths change every week according to the moon. And I'm seeing how she, she's bringing this new light in. I, I can't, what is wrong with her? Because every time you know these people, you can never convince them. You know that, right? And so I'm trying to convince the, her about these doctrines and teachings, but she would not listen. And I came to the realization that it's not so much how better my arguments are or try to convince her. There's something else. There's a root cause that's, that's missing in her heart. And you know what it was? I realized that it was her relationships. She was married two times and divorced twice. She couldn't hold relationships. Her children, she had problems with her children. I told her the last time, two years ago, I said to her, look, you need to get your life in order. You need to get a, a stable home because I'm telling you, your daughter's going to leave your home. She didn't like what I said. She left the church. I saw her daughter a couple months ago in the store. He looked like a person totally from the world. So ultra-conservative at one point. But when I saw her, she looked just like the world, all decked out and everything. It's unfortunate it came true. You know, the, the blessing is this. I think she's realizing what she's done. And she's starting to attend church back again. What do you say, amen? amen. See, it's more than just the externals. If you're just going to, a lot of times we deal with just the symptoms, the external, but we have to reason from cause to effect and find out what is the root cause of the problem and deal with the root cause. This Samaritan woman was self-righteous and prided herself in her knowledge. Now, think about it. If she wanted a theological dispute with the Son of God, don't you think she might have disputes with her husbands that who was right or wrong also? Do you think that maybe that's the problem that maybe she got five divorces in the, in the first place and now the man she's living with was not her husband? I had a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a head outer. I, I came from self-supporting background, involved with independent ministries, and he was helping us with, it, with one of our meetings. And he came from a church that left the conference. They decided and voted to leave the conference and be independent of the the, the, the world church. So he was helping us with our meetings and head out. And then he went to the man and invited me to come up. So I stayed with him at his house. i never forget this. And it's sealed in my mind what I'm sharing tonight, especially about the family. I went into the home, and as soon as I walked in the home, 
I noticed something was wrong. And I remember walking in, he came in, and the wife came by and didn't even look at each other. And he did not in- introduce me to her and just kind of pass each other. And I had to go to the wife and introduce myself. And I saw them walking on, down the hallway. Now, this is present truth, right? This is teaching all the doctrines and standards and prophecy, right? They walk in the hallway, and they, look, they won't turn away when they walk toward each other, past each other. I think, is this, is, this what it, is this what true Christianity is about? He can teach all you want. He can teach the truth. He can break it down the prophecies for me. He could do many things. He was doing evangelism with me. He was very faithful. He was very friendly and happy. Is this what, is this what true Christianity is really all about, is my question. And then a quote came to me. It's on your handout. One well-ordered, well-disciplined family tells more in behalf of Christianity than all the sermons that can be preached. What do you say, amen? amen? In other words, you can preach the most powerful sermons, but if your home is messed up, then it amounts to absolutely nothing. What do you say, amen? amen. How can you be preaching? How can you be rebuking people about not living up to the standards, and yet your own home is not in order? It doesn't make sense. And I saw that and said, I do not, mental note, I do not want to go down that road. And I don't know about you, I'm sure you don't want to do that either, right? I had another person from an independent ministry come. I had a school, and we were teaching the students, and he came to help out teaching in Daniel. So he brought his family with him. And he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he came in my church, he's rebuking everybody, you know. And he's just preaching the truth. But I noticed that um, his wife was not with him. In fact, his wife was wearing high skirt, revealing blouse, jewelry and everything. And I'm like, wait, something's wrong with this picture with me, right? She's being rebellious and everything. And I'm like, I said, hey, man, I mean, what's going on, man? I mean, <laughs> what, I mean you hear a teacher here. Because, man, I don't know what's wrong with her. I don't know what, what's happening. And I finally said, okay, let's have a counseling session. So I got them together, and we were talking about it. And she was bitter against what had happened in her life, and in the ministry, was, um, she'd been wounded by a lot of people. But also, her, she felt that um, the mistress of her husband was his work. So she was rebelling. I said, hey, man, you know what? You need to spend time with your wife. You need to win her heart. You can't force her and use your power as the head of the home. You must win her heart so that she would desire to want to be submissive. Amen? What do you say? Amen? So say, okay, you can take my car. I know the perfect place is inexpensive, a nice little restaurant. I know a place you can go to the hotels, take this nice little boat cruise that's free because I know how to get there for free, right? Because <laughs> you've got to think of the free things to do in Hawaii, right? So he said, he was reluctant. He said, okay. So he did that. And he took his wife on a date. I don't think that he remembered the last time he took her on a date. So he took her on a date, and things got better. I got an email from him a week ago. This is what he said. He said, I hope all is well with you, your family, and your ministry. The Lord is sustaining much better than when we were at your place, but plenty of room for growth. I believe God is working. By the way, she stopped going to church. And she said this, my wife has started helping out again at church in the children's division. Thank you, Pastor, for your time and encouragement. What do you say, amen? In other words, restoration of the family, healing of the homes, beloved, that is really where it's at. What do you say, amen? 
I mean, he was powerful. He could break down Daniel really well. That's why I wanted him to come. But is that what Christianity is all about? Being able to break down the prophecies really well? Is that really, is that, is that Christianity, if that's what it's all about, beloved, I don't want that religion. What do you say, amen? amen? In other words, that truth must come into, from, from the mind, the intellectual sense. It must come down into the heart, and it must transform our lives. It must change us. It must make us into new creatures in Christ. What do you say, amen? amen. That's my experiences that I've been experiencing. Beloved, there's healing for the home found in the love of God. Now look at verse 28. Notice what happened next. What happened when this woman finally experienced healing? This is found in John chapter 4, verse 28. The Bible says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and says to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. I want you to notice that this woman did not even have one class on how to give Bible studies. What do you say, amen? amen. And yet, she was able to bring a whole city to Jesus. And my question is, how is it that we can have class after class after class on how to give Bible studies and how to reach souls, and we haven't even brought one person to Jesus Christ? And you know what the difference is? One can be an intellectual knowledge of the methods of how to reach people. And one can be an, an experience with Jesus of being healed that you're going to go and share what you have already experienced. What do you say, amen? And that's the difference. One was healed. And that was all the people that Jesus healed in the Bible. He healed everyone. What did they do? They went out naturally. They weren't told or scolded or made guilty to go out and do evangelism. Guess what? They went out and they did evangelism. Why? And because they wanted to share what God had done for them. And was it hard for them? No. They loved evangelism. It was from the inside and they wanted to do it. It wasn't a guilt trip. And beloved, maybe we need to think about Maybe we need to go back to Jesus and go back to the foundation and the basics and get our relationship right with him. What do you say, amen? amen. Class after class after class of training. What are we doing? We're still here. It's interesting how God gives us experiences. Share another experience that happened yesterday. We're coming here and we're, you know, Peter Chung said, okay, look, you got to, um, not got to, but <laughs> uh, we're going to have prayer. So we like to have the speakers and the team pray together. So I said, okay, so we're, we're leaving and we want to grab some, you know, water and some food um, for the, the meeting. So we stopped at Clark's, which is a, uh, a health food store, yeah, Clark's Nutrition Center or something, Clark's. And so we went to Clark's and... Uh, we got everything, and we're like, we were pressing for time. Now, I was wondering if we are going to make it. So here we are standing in line, and we're ready to go for the checkout. I think we're one of the next ones in line. And then all the computers in the whole store for the checkout register went out. <laughs> and then we say, okay, you got five minutes. That we're going to take five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes, right? And I'm like, oh, no. I mean, I hope we can make it in time because, and then I said, I, told my, I asked my wife, what do you think? Should we leave? And put everything back because people are putting things back and leaving the store. And it's like, should we leave and, and put everything back? And, you know, maybe my wife said, well, maybe we can find a place over there that's close by to Pine Springs Ranch. I said, well, let's just stay. On top of this, the woman behind me was getting agitated. <laughs> you know how that is, right? <laughs> so I was just saying, look, 
They say five minutes. Now they're saying ten minutes. And like, I don't want to deal with this woman, so I kind of left my wife with her. And like, I said, I pretend I was going to pick up something else, right? So I got something else. She knows my tricks already. So I got my thing, and I came back, and I came to, uh, to the wagon, and I put it in. I actually got something. And then, uh, then she was still complaining. And she's looking at me now, right, complaining. And, you know, I don't like to get into negative things. Because it's not negative, it's easy to get sucked up into it, and I don't want to get my day all ruined with negative, right, negative thoughts and negative feelings and everything. So if she says something negative, I'll just smile, right, and then look away. (laughs) (laughs) Then she was sharing. And then she was saying stuff about, to my daughter, like, oh, wow. You eat a certain way, right? You know, when you become an adult like me, you can eat whatever you want. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this lady, you know. (laughs) Tempting my patience, right? And then get this. (laughs) She asked asked us, are you guys vegetarians? (laughs) And we say, yes, we are vegetarians. I used to be a vegetarian, but now I eat whatever I want. <laughs> so I'm like, she's giving me a hard time. She started talking to my wife. And then she started talking. Then I started listening in and started talking. And then um, I said to her, I said, because after she asked me, um, why eat anything I want? I said, but you still shop here, huh? I said to her. And she goes, yeah, because I also come here shopping with my husband before. This is a woman at the well now. I used to come here shopping with my husband before. But he died. Then I saw, and she said, I used to be a vegetarian. And in fact, I used to be raw because I had tumors, and I was raw, and I ate raw, and the tumors all went away. Amen? And I believe in God. Amen? She said, but then I got an autoimmune disease. And I gave up being a vegetarian because it wasn't working. I said, my husband died three years ago. And said, I, di- I cried for three years straight, she said. And I said to her, I said, it's not your diet. I said, your negative emotions are killing your body. See, the negative emotions are in your body. And unless you give it, naturally we need to give it to Jesus. What do you say, Amen. But if, if good old American Western culture, we ignore and suppress our emotions, we suppress it and hide it down, if you suppress your emotions, guess what? It's going to seek to come out and manifest itself out of your body to some other way. Cancer. That's why inspiration says, nine out of ten sickness, illnesses begins with the what? Mind. It's not just your diet. I told her straight. With that, she started crying. This is in the story now. She's crying, crying, tears rolling down. We start talking about the gospel. I said, you know, the only way is that God can heal you. God can heal you of your emotional wounds. She starts sharing me. And then she's in there with her food, sharing me, and she said, this is a divine providence, she told me. And she said, I'm going to meet you again. I know I'm going to meet you again, she told me. 
And then she was talking to me, and the, the register already had started up. They were already, my wife was already in that line. The other woman, the other lady was calling her, but she wasn't hearing the call. And then finally she heard the call, and she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I was so caught up in this conversation, I didn't even hear you calling me. In other words, she had left her water pot. The very reason why she wanted to get out of that store so quickly, because she found something better, like the woman at the well, which was the emotional healing from her past. What do you say, Amen. See, the world is crying out for this. I believe this is what the world is crying out for. They're looking for healing. And guess what? By the way, all have sinned. And not only all have sinned, but all have been sinned against. What do you say, amen? amen. So in other words, we've all been wounded by sin. And not only, does, not only does the cross heal us and forgive us of all sins, guess what? The cross also heals us of those who have sinned against us and have wounded us in our lives. What do you say, amen? amen. It's twofold. The cross heals us. And it, wound, and it heals us from the wounds that we have experienced. Turn to me in the Bible to Luke chapter 7. Turn to Luke chapter 7 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. Luke chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. What the Bible says here? This is, how did a religious leader in Jesus' day treat a woman who was crying? Notice what it says here. The Bible says, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and then wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. Now, this woman was crying, but even though she was crying, it didn't stir up any sympathy within Simon, for this woman. You see, in the culture during Jesus' time, emotions were very freely expressed. But even there are certain situations, like this situation, where a woman could not cry in, in this situation. In the same way, just like the Western culture today, it teaches that our thoughts and behaviors are important, but our inner life of emotions, this should be ignored or suppressed. But whenever we do this, we already bring, see, we're already hurting from our past wounds, right? And then when we have to suppress and ignore them and hide them, it takes even more effort and energy to hide these suppressed and hurting feelings and more wounds because of that. And so God wants us to heal of this. And our problem is that because of a misunderstanding of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, if I misunderstood the spirit of prophecy, I'm sure other people have misunderstand it also, to avoid all feelings and dealing with it. But if you realize that feelings is not used, I'm not telling you about feelings to depend upon your feelings over the word of God. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to look at feelings as a bad symptom to deal with, to find the root cause so you can heal the problem. Is that clear? Let me say amen. Amen? There's a big difference. And so God was, te was, was teaching me about healing from the inside. Now, what is Simon's, how did Jesus respond in verse 44? Notice the Bible says here. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman, I entered into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head or you does not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves in other words, Jesus commended this woman for crying and wiping his feet with her tears and ointment. In other words, Jesus endorses 
Jesus endorses the expression of emotions, not only in the clause, but also in the public. What do you say, amen? How do I know? Turn me to John chapter 11, verse 35. John chapter 11, verse 35. You know, I think a lot of the children and a lot of people, I hear this, that they like this because this is their favorite text. You know, you know what text this is? This is the shortest text in the Bible. And what is it? Jesus wept, right? You see, Jesus not only cried in the closet, beloved, but he also cried in public. In other words, God is not ashamed or afraid to cry in public. Regardless of public opinion, regardless of culture, regardless of society, now, if the most powerful being in the whole universe is not afraid to cry in public, then is it really true that if a man cries in church, that he's a wimp or a sissy? You see, Jesus not only cried at Lazarus' funeral, but we're also told that he cried at the great processional, right, on the way to Jerusalem, did he not? Look at inspiration in the Spirit of Prophecy quotation. Notice what it says here. Not only did he just cry with a little tear down his cheek. Notice what happened. They are surprised. And disappointed to see his eyes filled with tears and his body rock to and fro like a tree before the tempest while a wail of anguish burst from his quivering lips as if from the depths of a broken heart. In other words, not only did Jesus cry in public, but Jesus wailed in public. What do you say, amen? Now if, can you imagine today a man in our church, a man, Wailing today. In fact, I don't even think I've ever seen a man wail in church. Have you? This only proves that not only has the world been influenced by its own culture, but even God's church has been influenced by the culture of the world. So much so that there are many of us today who are suppressing and ignoring our emotions. And many of us have done this to such a point that nothing hardly ever moves us anymore. You know, I, I made an appeal for healing. And this man, this young man, young father, young parent came forward. And he came up to the front, and I had anointing service, and I anointed this young man. And he said this to me. He said, my dad didn't show me any love when I was a child because he was so emotionless and so stoic. The problem is that his lack of affection towards me has affected me how I treat my wife and my children. Then he said this, even now as I heard your sermon, I was so stirred I wanted to be moved, but I've been so conditioned against affection that I couldn't feel anything at all. Could it be possible, you think? Have the Western culture influenced us so much that we're not willing? You know, when you think about the Bible, the great men of the Bible, when you look at the Bible, you will see that many of them put on sackcloth and ashes and wept and cried in public before the Lord in repentance to God. What do you say, amen? amen? And yet, we do not see that here in the Western culture because emotions are suppressed and ignored. Beloved, we need to follow and obey God rather than the traditions of men. What do you say, amen? amen. Now, how does the world and the church deal with hard issues? I had a guy named Junior. He's a big guy. And he was telling me, Pastor, he goes around getting into fights and beating up people and robbing them for money. 
And he goes to church, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Angry, bitter, big guy, like 6'4", huge, 23. Then one night, one Sabbath, I came to church, and I said, how's it going? Sunglasses, how's it going? He said that Friday night, he was drinking, and he was drunk. He had a hangover that day. So I said to him, what's going on? What's really wrong? What's going on in your life? Because going back from cause to effect to cause, right? I said, it's not, I said, it's not your drinking. That's you medicating your pain. It's not the fighting. You're getting your anger out. What's the root cause? What's really bothering you? He put his head down. He shook his head. He started tearing. Big guy, he started tearing. He said to me, Pastor, my parents don't love me. They don't love me at all. I don't even care about life. I thought about suicide and this ending it all. Now you see that, you know, on the outside, how do you deal with these people when they come to church? Do you tell them, don't hang around my daughter anymore? Do you tell them, like, don't ostracize them and not hang out with them anymore? Is that, I mean, what do we really do? I mean, that's what we really do, do we not? What, the, how do we do it? And it, could it be that maybe we do those things because maybe we do not how to know how to solve the problem? You know, you think about even medical missionary. Let's talk about it a little bit. You know, even, you know, they deal with modern medicine. They deal with the symptoms. We say that, right? But you know, medical missionary work, they do the same thing. Because a lot of times they're dealing with the symptoms, and they're doing a natural remedy just to deal with the symptoms, but they're not tracing backwards to the root cause. And they're not even dealing true medical missionary work, which is nine-tenths of all illnesses begins in the mind. What do you say, amen? That is true medical missionary work. True medical missionary work deals with the mind. What do you say? Amen? Amen. He's amen over there. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I had a student. He came, his name was Daniel. I had a school before. I don't have a school anymore because I feel that I was trying to build up my kingdom rather than the kingdom of God. And my, I know I was not spending time with my family and my churches, so I had to give up a lot of things, and that was one of them. The internship program, my mentorship program, because I want to spend more time with my family. You know, there are times I wake up, my daughter was be sleeping when I leave, and I come home, she's sleeping when I come home. And it wasn't going good. So I said, you know, I need to spend more time with my family. You know, my, my dream has always been a school. You know, I've always been a burden in my heart to do a school, especially after Madison College. That's been my burden. So that's been in my heart for 15 years. And to give up that dream, but you know, my family is worth way more. I remember the night I told my, my wife, I said, I'm willing to give up my dream for you and my family. And she started to cry because she said that she was praying, God, I don't want to tell him because I don't want to crush his dreams. But I know it's too hard for me, she said. So I had to school with the prophets. And this young man came named Daniel. And I'll never forget him. You know, he was kicked out of an academy for drugs. And he came to this, our school. And the father wanted to be there. And he didn't want to be there. So he was all listening to, he was a b-boy. So he's breakdancing and all that. So um, he's all doing that at late at night. And he's coming late for my classes. And I'm like, man, what did I do? Kick him out? 
What do we do with these people like? Do we kick them out like all the other schools do? What do we do because we can't solve the problem? How do we deal with people like this? So as we say, the staff, we say, we need to find out what is really bothering this. What, what is the root cause of the problem? Finally, we kept asking. Finally, one day he opened up. He shared with different staff, but he shared with me. He said this, Pastor, I was such a good kid. I always did what is right. And what happened was my mom got cancer. And to get treated, she had to be sent to another country. And my dad was always working, so my mom was the only one that was close to me. And after she left and she went to another country, it hurt me, it wounded me, and I was not the same. And my dad was coming around, and my dad was always working. I felt like, you know, I, I started to rebel because of what had happened. Are you seeing this, the root cause? And he shared me his hurt and his pain. And beloved, unless we deal with the root causes, we'll never truly solve the problems that's happening and plaguing our churches. What do you say, amen? You know, there's a singer named Kelly Clarkson. I know some of you heard of her, right? The first American Idol winner. You know, she said, and I saw an interview this year. You know what she said? This is her words. She said, she's been her past... When she was six years old, or when, I don't know if you've seen this, but when she was six years old, her parents got a divorce. Do you remember reading that? And she said that when she was six years old, her parents got a divorce, and that has affected her for the rest of her life. She said she cannot have a healthy relationship because of her past emotional wounds when she was a child. She says the exact words. This is her quote. She said, divorce isn't fun. It affects relationships when you're older. I think you have to work a little harder because you're constantly thinking it's probably not going to work out in the end. Because you think, wow, it didn't work out with my parents. It's not going to work out with me, right? That's the fear of children who come from divorced homes. It's not going to work out and they go from bad relationship to one to another. She wrote a song, Because of You, right? And this is the words. In other words, because it's written to her parents, because of you, mom and dad. I cannot cry because I know that's weakness in your eyes. Sound familiar? I'm forced to fake a smile. See people faking today? Fake a smile, a laugh every day of my life. My heart can't possibly break when it wasn't even whole to start with. Because of you, mom and dad, I'll never stray too far from the sidewalk. Because of you, I've learned to play on the safe side. Because of you, so I don't get hurt. Because of you, I tried my hardest just to forget everything. Because of you, I don't know how to let anyone else in. Because of you, I'm ashamed of my life because it's empty. Because of you, I am afraid. You see, here's the problem. Even though the world, the children of darkness is wiser than children of light. In other words, the world can figure out cause or effect. But here's the problem of the world. Even though Kenny Clarkson and all these people, some of these people can figure out the problem. Here's the, here's the problem. They cannot give the solution. What do you say? Amen. And that's what God's remnant church was called into existence. Now, God's been pressing me with Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it anointed me to heal, right, the brokenhearted. That was Jesus' ministry, to heal. And not only the physical healing, he was there to heal the physical, the mental, the spiritual, emotional, beloved. What do you say, amen? And God's been pressing me. That is my ministry. That's what called, you know, that text was what God called me into the ministry 15 years ago. And I never understood it until 15 years later, until this past year. That God wants healing, but not just physical. He wants to deal with the mind, especially at nine-tenths beginning your mind. 
What, how can we miss that quotation? I don't know how we missed it. I missed it. I don't know about you, but we missed it. Nine-tenths, and we're focusing nine-tenths on the physical, and we're doing one-tenth if that is it, even on the emotion of the spiritual healing. Eighty-year-old man came up to me. I shared this this morning. Eighty-year-old man came up to me. He walked up to the front after healing, and he said, my dad divorced me when I was seven years old. Seventy-three years of holding on to pain and wounds. Beloved, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says, By his wounds we are what? Healed. What do you say, amen? amen? Now, where was Jesus wounded? On the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To save who? Us. And what is the motive behind Jesus being wounded and dying on the cross? Because why? He loves us. In other words, by his wounds of love, beloved, you and me are healed this, tonight. What do you say, amen? Yeah. Love is a power that can heal. And the world may even figure out the cause or effect. But you know what, beloved? You have the only message that can give true healing. What do you say, amen? Yeah. Kelly Clarkson still gave an interview this recently. She still cannot have good relationship. Guess what? She understood cause or effect. She sang a song. She sang a heart out to cause or effect. And what has happened in life? But guess what? She's still suffering from her past life and has still to the today has not experienced healing. Beloved, we were called to be ministers of healing. What do you say? Amen? Yeah. And God has called you and me to go out there and to heal a world who's been wounded by the, the sins of this world. God is calling you and me to do this. Note the last quotation says, The thought of Calvary awakens living and sacred emotions in our hearts. In other words, there is a place for sacred emotions. What do you say, amen? amen. Some of you probably thinking, oh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you're probably thinking, what's the big deal about emotions? But some of us, you out there, you know what I'm coming from, right? I came from an abusive home. My dad was alcoholic. I shared my testimony this morning. And he abused my mom emotionally, verbally, physically. And he had, one time, my mom told me that he was also an alcoholic, so he, had, he took the gun, threatened to kill my mom. My mom ran into the room, locked the door. Then she, then, uh, she called the police. And the police came over. He was shooting the gun through the roof. Drunk. The police came in, tried to stop him. You know, of course, when he come in, he's like, Mr. Nice Guy, right? They know how to play the role. So they leave. The, the police leave. The mom's worried for her life. She went to the room again, locked the door. He came in and he broke down the door. Ran in toward her. At that moment, the police jumped him. Threw him in prison, in jail. My dad was abusive to our children, especially my older brothers and sisters. Not so bad as me, but especially my older brothers and sisters. My oldest, my oldest sister, has eight of us in our family. But my oldest sister told me like a few months ago, she said, she just got married remarried, got divorced already. 
So the week before she got married, she was having nightmares of when she was growing up in the home. Does our past not affect our present and our future happiness? You know, I'm, I was like that man who thought it'll never happen to me. You know, until I got married, I thought I was a perfect Christian in present too. Living up to all the standards. I mean, just like, I mean, I felt like, man, you can't find something wrong with me. That was my mentality, you know? Just living a holy life. I thought I was a perfect Christian until I got married. Then you know how you really are. What do you say? Amen? And then you have children, and they're a reflection of who you really are. Because they're going to copy everything you do. And, like, where do you get that from? <laughs> My wife points at me, right? the guilty one. Here's the danger of present truth. By being critical of people who are not following the truth, guess what? By beholding, you become changed. So, beholding negativity, guess what happens? Negative thoughts. By beholding negative thoughts, guess what happens? Negative thoughts, what? Negative feelings, negative actions, right? What do you say, huh? Amen? So here I'm doing this. I'm, I shared this morning my testimony, how the conference was mistreating me, bitterness. I was weeping and gnashing of teeth. My teeth were cracking, remember, this morning? And I was like, the conference was hurting me. The church members were hurting me. My past was coming back to life. And I wasn't physically abusive to my wife. Never touched her but I sure was verbally and emotionally abusive to her as a pastor. And my first year of marriage with her, she told me this. She said, I know this is probably shocking to you because I am a pastor, right? But my wife said that, that her first year of marriage was the hardest year of her life. Can you imagine present truth? And I had to get healing. I realized, okay, wait, my past is affecting me. My wounds, the negativity I'm getting from the confidence, how they treat me, however justified I feel I was and am, it doesn't matter. The negativity and the pain and the wounds is still there, right? It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. It's still there, right? How the church members are treating me, I felt they were wrong, but still, it doesn't matter. The negativity and the pain is still there, and the hurt coming out of you is still there. My past and my family was still there, was hurting me. And I... And I needed to heal and deal with my past emotional wounds. And beloved, I stand here today healed and in the process of healing by the wounds of a God who loves me. What do you say? Amen? Beloved, there's healing in the cross of Calvary. For by his wounds of love, we are healed. And maybe this evening you've been sexually abused as a child. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Maybe you've been emotionally abused by your husband. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Maybe you've been verbally abused by your wife. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Maybe you've been devastated by the divorce of your parents. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Maybe you've been living, came from a home, from a love-starved home. By his wounds, beloved, you are healed tonight. What do you say, amen? And God wants healing, and you cannot give that which you do not possess. And God wants to take your life, how messed up it was, or whatever has happened to your past. He wants to take the broken pieces of your life, and He wants to heal you, and He wants to use you in what you have experienced and the pain you experienced, and help others who have been wounded the exact same way. God can take the dirt of your life, right? And He can make good out of it. 
That's what God wants to do with you tonight. I'm going to make an appeal tonight. Kathleen's going to sing a song. Beloved, this is where the healing begins. What do you say? Amen? This is where the healing begins. I think it's time we, ex- we experience healing tonight. What do you say? Amen? I'm going to make an appeal to come forward for an altar call. But wait, not for anyone. Only those who are truly serious about God, and this is what it is. If you want, if you've been wounded in the past and you know it's been affecting your life, and you want to come forward for healing, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend time with you. And what I did is I brought, <laughs> brought anointing oil. I'm going to pray with you and anoint you one by one for healing tonight. However long it takes. So, Kathleen's going to sing. I'll make an announcement again. And then you can stay and those who are, those are not, um, who haven't come forward, you can go. We're going to have um, the booths here immediately following. And also we have the all-night mini prayer meeting at 10 p.m. right in the multi-purpose room. But I'm going to make an appeal. If you want to experience healing in your life, this is what Jesus came to do, to heal. And James chapter 5 says, if there's somebody sick among you, let them call, right, the elders of the church and let them heal you. But you never read the rest of the text. And it says, and if he has committed what? Sins, right? Let him be forgiven and healed. In other words, it's not only talking about physical healing. It's talking about what? Spiritual healing. What do you say? Amen? So there's a physical and spiritual healing. So I'm going to make this appeal. I'm, I'm going to make it hard on you. Not anyone. But if you feel God is calling, you want to experience healing, then come. Come as you sing. This is where the healing begins. Come.
Father, the, the light of your word meets the darkness in our lives tonight. And as it clashes, we want healing, Lord, tonight. Many walking wounded around. People we ignore and not see every day as we walk past them. But Lord, heal us. Lord, everyone that came forward some way there's some pain of being sinned against and wounded Lord we ask for healing for them and as we go one by one for healing and anointing may you bring experience of them healing from their wounds from your wounds of love so Lord dismiss us tonight we thank you Lord for your goodness and love in Jesus name one last before I know there's a, quite a bit of you came forward and I'm willing to be here depends how bad you want to stay and want to experience anointing um, but I'm willing to stay here and work with you and pray for you one by one um, everyone else you're welcome to leave as Kathleen sings and uh, is there any speakers here still for the lemon or Wallet. Yeah. 
Will you help me, brother? Amen. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. And have a good night. We'll see you uh, tomorrow morning. And for those of you here, um, Brother Lev and I and Waller, Andre Waller, will be uh, anointing at this time. And then you can come forward at this time. We should.